When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 137 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Chris Daughtry, I want to remind you about all of the new gear you can get in the online shop at mistresscarrie.com. Of course, you'll find the hoodies, the beanies, and the t-shirts, plus the coffee mugs, the pint glasses, stickers, and more. But you can also check out the fitted caps, trucker hats, visors, the 7-in-1 Bartender Tool, and the Clear Plastic Mistress Carry Concert and Event Bag that meets most, if not all, of the bag requirements at different concert and sporting event venues. You can check out all that and more. Just log on to MistressCarry.com and head to the shop. My guest this week, Chris Daughtry from the band Daughtry, has been on the show before. He joined me on episode 52 back on June 2nd of 2021. And Chris and I have been through a lot since then. Most recently, Chris and the band Daughtry collaborating with Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm on a brand new cover of Journey's Separate Ways, Worlds Apart. So Chris and I thought we should sit down and talk about this brand new cover and all of the things that have happened since he was on the show the first time. We talked about collaborating with Lizzie, getting inspiration to cover Journey from Stranger Things. We talked about the tight pants of rock stars in the 70s and taking care of your voice. We also talked about dealing with our mutual grief and the band's upcoming plans for new music. I'm so excited to have Chris back on the show. So once again, allow me to introduce you to Chris Daughtry. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. What's up, Mr. Daughtry? I hope that's coffee. Cheers. It, it is coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I, if I could have it just shot in my veins lately, I would. You and me both. Oh. I think we talked about that the last time you and I talked. We were like drinking coffee all afternoon. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real problem. <laughs> Are the purple lights you installed in your home studio an homage to me and all my purpleness? 
100%. I know. I, I know you're lying, but I appreciate that. Are those <laughs> the changeable it's honestly ones? My fav- it really is my favorite color. Um, it's, it's, a, it's like a light board that I borrowed from someone for something a while back for a, like an acoustic live stream, and I never gave it back to them. <laughs> I hope they're not listening to this episode of the show because they're going to be like, that's where those freaking lights went. Yeah, yeah. They, they have no idea. Freaking Daughtry. He's a yeah. kleptomaniac. I what can I say? <laughs> Wait, are your nails purple too? They were, but they're blue today. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I have to do I mine was, black all the time because when I dye my hair, whatever I do, it it stains everything anyway. I went I went hard on purple for like 6 months and I and I thought this was going to look different than it did and I was like that is really freaking blue. <laughs> so is that what you do when you shave your head? You just, you got to color your nails or something? I, um, it, it, it yeah, I, I started doing it like a couple years ago and it's kind of become one of my favorite things. Like me and my wife will go get our nails done. Even on tour, like if on days off, I'll, I'll go find the nearest nail salon and go get my mani-pedi and it's like, whatever. That's, that's my, that's me treating myself. I worked with uh, one of the enforcers from the Bruins for years at WAF, and he said that professional hockey players go and get manicures all the time because when they go to grab the jerseys, if they got a hangnail, they can hurt their hands. So I just have this image of like all these giant hockey players with missing teeth sitting there soaking their hands. Just looking like just, yeah, you know, bougie AF. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could always grow your beard a little longer and dye it like Dimebag. That could be cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could. How uh, how are you holding up? Happy New I'm, Year! It is. Uh, I am great. Thank you for asking. Hope you are. And it is. Uh, it's the year is starting off great. It's. Um, I couldn't be happier. Life is good, and uh, I wish the weather was better, but uh, I'll take what I can get. You uh, are one of those unfortunate souls that has to celebrate your birthday around the holidays which I talk a lot about. So happy birthday in case everybody forgot to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. Um, You know, Jared Leto and I both share the same birthday. So um, somehow, because because of Instagram, I always feel loved every year, probably more so than I ever did as a child. (laughs) Well, I talk about it all the time on my show because I'm always talking about whose birthday it is. And yeah. it, it seems that there are certain birthdays and certain times of the year where, like, there are just these massive lists of artists that are born on the same day. Is I wonder if there's something, you know, with the people that share your birthday, if there's some kind of weird thing about it. Well, everyone that I know that has my birthday or around that time are all very creative people, whether they are musicians or, or painters there's they're an artist of some kind and um there has to be something to that yeah i know my birthday and the people right around it are all people whose parents got drunk and had sex on new years oh perfect because i'm born <laughs> I, I was born a couple days late and i was born the first of october so yeah. if you counted back and you know that was my theory and then my mom got drunk on champagne one year and told me that that theory was true and i was it, like it is- scarred for life yeah no one wants to hear how they were conceived. No, no. And I, and I never got to get that story from my mom. So I, I wish I could go back and ask. <laughs> yeah. Try, well, 
I, Although I think I was a mistake. <laughs> um, I was too. I don't think a lot of people were conceived on purpose, even if they're I've, told I've, that. I've gone through photo albums and I've seen a picture of my dad the day, which was on Christmas Day, which is the day before I was born. And he did not look stoked. So I, <laughs> I, I, and every picture I saw around that time, he just had this like, this like, oh God, what, what did I do? And, and I'm just like, something tells me they weren't stoked I was coming. <laughs> Surprise. Yep. Here I am. Greatest gift ever. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, you, you know, you get the, the one, two, three thing where, you, you know, you kind of get through Christmas and then bang your birthday and then New Year's. So as we go into this new year, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, New Year's for a lot of people is that whole rebirth, fresh start kind of thing. And you're like, I'm just going to release a cover of one of the most iconic rock bands of all time with one of the most powerful singers in rock and roll singing with yeah. me. Like that's kind of a huge way to start the year. It really is. And, um, I, uh, I had no idea when, when we decided to do this cover that, that it was coming up on the 40th anniversary of, of the original song. So it, it like all the stars aligned, it all just fell into place like better than I could have ever planned it. And, um, we, Lizzie and I had been talking about for years working on something like we gotta, we gotta work on something. Uh, we toured together back in 2013 and, and I was just like, I, there's a few singers out there that make me jealous of what they're able to do with their voice. And she is at the top of the list. And, um, I remember the first time I, God, we go back so far. We met when I was going into the studio to work on my second record and they were working on their first record with Howard Benson. And, and I found this photo like recently we were just like kids and, and it was so crazy. I was like, Oh my God, we really go back a long ways. And she's always just blown me away with, with her talent and, not only that, but she's just, you know, she's just an incredible human being. Yeah, she's and I so love her nice death. and sweet. and yeah. But at the same time, she's got that great kind of Northeast, don't give a fuck vibe, which I am so here for. She has none of these. Look at that. I got a jar of fucks to give. Um, Do you have this? Are you kidding me right now? Did we just become best friends? Do you want to go in the garage and do karate? Yes. Oh Your jar is much bigger than mine. <laughs> this I somebody sent me a jar of fucks and I keep it right here in my studio. The fact that you have one too is so amazing. My um my uh my wife's sister sent me this for my birthday. Brock, and wait, um, hold on. Brockton D's sister? Brockton D's sister. Yeah. Stephanie sent me that and I was like, you're just the best. Like you, she always gives me the best gifts, and they're always, they're always something with the word "fuck" in it too. It's always- <laughs> um, did you see um, my mug? I love it. You understand because you married into all this. Oh my god, have you seen this movie called The Menu? No, not yet, but it's in my queue. Okay, well, I don't want to spoil anything because there's a moment that you're going to appreciate 
and my wife, we watched it last night and we both looked at each other like, what did she just say? <laughs> but knowing, knowing, you know, the, the connection to Brockton, you're going to be pumped. But it's it's an um, the movie is is jaw dropping. Real, I Holy heard it shit. was really it's, really good. I'll, I'll say nothing more about it because okay. I don't want to over over hype it. But um, but yeah. So Lizzie and I had been talking for a while, and I hit her up, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I we me and the guys have been talking about doing a cover, but we just didn't know what. And we kicked around some '80s covers that we were just like, you know, that could be cool, or maybe that could be cool. Eh, that might be cheesy." And I was watching Stranger Things, the finale of that, and and there was this sick scene where everybody's getting ready to go do the thing, right? I don't want to spoil it for well, anyone who's not seen it. If you and haven't seen it by now, it's like, come on. Then, then what the hell have you been doing with Seriously, your life? Seriously, it's not a spoiler like, at all anymore. Anyway, so they're they're getting ready to go take on Vecna, and and the synths start, and I was like, <gasps> this is the song we need to cover. Holy shit. This is like, A, I mean, Stephen per- Steve Perry is one of the greatest vocalists of all time. All time. And, and, um, and I've always been a big Journey fan, but that's always been my favorite Journey song. And it already has a heavy, you know, heavy vibe to it anyway. And so I was like, let's do that. And Scott Stevens, our producer, we had, uh, we were talking about like, what would, what if we, approach this as a duet like I know it's not a duet but what if we did and it's got a double perspective here and I was like yes let's call Lizzie and because we've been talking about it forever and like this is it so I hit Lizzie up I was like um what do you think about doing separate ways and she's like it's my go-to karaoke song I'm all in and so and we both live in Nashville so it just worked out perfectly and just watching her in the studio I'm like like seriously, would you stop? Yeah. Like you're too good. She you're, sings like, you're... from her kneecaps. Like it comes oh my <laughs> out of her body. Yes, and it's it's ferocious. Like yeah. the, you know, some people like you know, I would always hear these stories. Like Chris Cornell would hit these notes, but he wasn't very loud. It was very controlled, but it didn't have it didn't sound as loud in person as it does on record. She's as loud, if not louder. Like it is. Like, how do you, how does that come out of you? And I already have, I, I know I have a loud voice, but I, I don't know what she's got going on in here different than everybody else. But well, there's somebody like Billie Eilish, right? Whose art is all about the subtlety. Yeah. It's all finesse. about the, the quiet and the, and the emotion that comes out of it. Lizzie's just like, I'm going to get a can opener. Here's the whoop ass. Let's go. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and, and it's not like, oh, I just kicked a few asses. I'm, I think I'm tired. It just keeps kicking. Like, it stays there, and it just kicks everyone. And, uh, and so I'm, uh, I, was, I was just, I'm like, thank you for saying yes to doing this, because this is, like, there is nobody else I would want to do this with. And so, yeah, and then I found out it was the 40th anniversary, so we're like, can we get this out in time? And, I mean, it was like, it was literally like a week before it was like two weeks before it was just getting mastered. So we were like, we were really scrambling to try to make that deadline and we could not be happier the way it turned out. And everybody's like, the response has just been overwhelming. My head has exploded the amount of phone calls and texts that I've gotten the last few days. Cause we didn't even tease it. We just go, Oh, by the way here. Yeah. 
And um, God, I'm, I'm just grateful that, that people love it. Well, this year, that song, that song turned 40. The band turns 50. And Unreal. it's one of those things when you go back, like you were saying about making it a duet, it, it makes sense lyrically yeah. for there to be that other perspective. And the fact that we're still analyzing the intent of the lyrics 40 years later yeah. If that doesn't prove what a brilliant song it is, I don't know what does. Incredible. It's it's much better than the music video was. <laughs> Come on, man. They were using what they had at the time. They it, everybody was doing what they could, right? The the best there there's a there's a video out there if you haven't checked it out. Um you know my bass player Marty O'Brien. Oh yeah, he's another local he, guy. He he turned me on to the we were watching this on the bus one night and he's like have you seen the the one with no audio? You got to see it where it's just someone. <laughs> we were in tears on and like, Oh my God, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't even imagine what it was like to try to make a music video back then. I go back and look at some of those old videos. I was just watching an old video of um, Bon Scott and Angus in like 79 mm-hmm. and you know, you go back and look at those old Zeppelin videos. I'm not a guy, so I'm going to ask your expert opinion here. Mm. How do you function with pants that tight when you're a guy? Because they didn't have the technology of that stretchy material with a little bit of give. That was just no. denim, and those were That was tight. just raw denim. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no underwear under there because you there's don't see no any seam lines. There's no room for the underwear. It, maybe it was their secret to those high notes, you know. Maybe, maybe they're maybe they're onto something, you know. Those were tight jeans. Yeah, I um, I don't know the answer to that other than um, they had to just be dying to get off stage just to release after after and be like, oh, thank God, I, everything can breathe now. I know, were those guys just sitting around either nude or in loose sweatpants after because they yeah, needed probably. everything to go back to its shape? Just a towel. Just let it all <laughs> go back to its Yeah, it's like those uh it's like a sponge. It's gotta it's gotta stretch back out. Maybe that was Steve Perry's like that was part of how he was able to just sing like an angel and hit those rock notes. It's just the pants were so I mean, tight. I got to say, it was pretty impressive to look at. It's like, you know what? You guys are all packing. Either that or you're, you're really padding the, you know, the, the scenery there. But, I mean, they but, got the chicks somehow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've heard all the stories. Well, not all of them, obviously. I had a great conversation with Josh Todd from Buck Cherry a while back, like right around mm. the, the start of the pandemic. And he has got like this inc- insane vocal warm up that he does. If you've ever played mm-hmm. shows with Buck Cherry, you can hear Josh we have, we have warming up with, down with the Jay. hall. Yeah. And he talked to me about Steve Perry and something he noticed from watching old Journey concerts that I never picked up on because Josh is very particular about vocal warm ups and stuff. Okay. And he said that he doesn't even drink water on stage anymore, no okay. matter the temperature, because he wants his vocal cords to just be lubricated naturally, warmed up properly, and that's it. 
And he said he learned that from analyzing Steve Perry performance videos. He goes, if you go back and watch Steve Perry live, he never drinks anything on stage. Oh, that's interesting. And I never noticed it. And after I talked to Josh Todd, because he talked to me about it, I went back and watched these old Journey videos. And I was hard pressed to find a video of Journey on stage in their heyday with him drinking anything, water, booze, like nothing. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, And I'm always like running back to the drum. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just. I mean, that's a that's an interesting concept. You're going to have to talk to Josh Todd about it because yeah, obviously yeah. with the voice I have, we both can agree I'm not a singer. But for someone that does sing, I talk to singers all the time about taking care of their voice, warming it up properly, warming yeah. it down properly. You know, guys like Miles Kennedy that don't want to do interviews the day of shows because talking is so detrimental. I hate doing interviews on, on show days for the same reason because my speaking voice is way harsher on my voice than my singing voice. <clears throat> and so, and it's interesting that you said that because I've had days where I'm like, I'm just pounding water and it's not changing. Because I don't know if it does. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it has anything to do with it. And as the person that's always asking for the interviews, I would always get bummed out and start to like feel self-conscious when you guys come to town and I want to sit down and talk to you. And you get told no. And I'd be like, do they not want to talk to me? Like what it is? And then when obviously COVID happened and I was able to start having these longer conversations with you guys, I never really put it together. How taxing on a singing voice that all the talking would be leading up. And now I'm like, I totally get it now, which is why I try to do the interviews on your days off. Yeah. And when I've done like radio visits and and there's a Q and a portion and then there's a performance portion, I always request like if, if there's a way I would love to perform first and then do the Q and a, because if I just talk up to the point of singing, my range just goes and, and it, it becomes a struggle. And then there's people that it doesn't matter what they do. They're always on. I know. David Draymond gave me the funniest story. Um, and I don't think I'm speaking out of school here because I think he's he's actually probably told this in an interview before. But he, we were talking about warming up and and he's like, I got to warm up. I'm like, yeah, so do I. I, I. I know there are certain people that just never warm up and they're fine. And he said, I met Ronnie James Dio once. And he had a glass of Jack or, or wine and he had a cigarette in the other hand. And, uh, and he said, uh, you, you, what, what do you do, for, you know, for your warm up? And he goes, listen, if you got a warm up, then you just don't have it. Whoa. <laughs> and he said, in that moment, I immediately shrunk down to his height. <laughs> Arguably one of the greatest vocalists in rock history ever. I mean, seriously. But he said he just never warmed up. And that was not even a joke. Like, he just, he had his drink, he had his smoke, and he would go out and just fucking kill it. And I I don't understand what those, what mechanics they have going on different than, than say, me or, or people that have to warm up. But it's, it's, um, it's very, I'm, I'm very envious. Did you watch that documentary? I have not. Oh, so I talked to What's D- it called? It's called uh, Dream- Dio Dreamers Never Die. 
Okay, I'll have to check this out. And uh, you know, every I talked to Geezer Butler about it because I actually think Marty was telling us that you got to check this out. It, so I gotta, I gotta. I'll tell you, it's fascinating because it's about his whole life. So it's not just about like the later metal Dio years or whatever. It goes mm-hmm. all the way back. I learned a lot about him, but it obviously goes all the way to the to the end. And I had visited when I when I go to Hollywood or L.A. for work or whatever, I always try to go to those, you know, the forever cemeteries and kind of go and see all of like my heroes. Last time I was there, I went and saw Chris Cornell and um, and I went and to Dio's grave which is just everything you would want it to be. It's just big. It's mm. got devil horns on the planters. It's got this yeah. big painting. Right across the way, Dio and Lemmy face each other at the cemetery for life. Oh, wow. Lemmy was cremated and is put in a wall that's like across the courtyard from Dio. So knowing that those two are kind of spending eternity in the same kind of vibe yeah, is pretty so cool. cool. But the documentary really goes into like his voice and where it came from and the fact that now you're telling me that he didn't warm up. I'm just like, how? Talk about I, singing I, from your kneecaps. He wasn't a big guy, but the voice. Yeah. Came yeah, from... and the range oh. is just stupid. Yeah, just insane. Yeah, we've all been trying to do it since. <laughs> yeah, I think without a seance and without him literally taking over your body, it might be a tough sell. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So does this cover now trigger a a new release because when you and I talked last I had to go back and look it up we talked right before the last record came out you were all excited yeah. to release the record and we're still in the middle of covid and all of that yeah and so obviously the the world has been the world since you and I talked yeah. last so is this is this cover ushering in a new project for Daughtry what's going on that is the goal. We are, okay. we are, we are about to, you know, obviously life has been happening the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and there's plenty to write about. And my phone is just full of just, you know, melodies and, and gibberish ideas, um, like hundreds of them. And I'm just kind of collecting ideas at this point. And, and, and we're, we're going to be getting back in the studio. I want to say February. Um, because I'm in, I'm in that place now where it's like, I'm on the other side of, of, of loss and grief. And obviously life is, you know, some days are easier than others, but there's plenty to write about. And I feel like I'm in a place now where I can, where I can write about it in a way that doesn't make me want to slit my own wrists. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, um, where I feel like, you know, in in the moment, if I would have just been like, throwing myself into the studio, it, w- it would have just been the most depressing thing ever. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm in a place now where I feel like I have a lot to say and a lot to, to write about and, and hopefully come at it from a standpoint that, that can help others that may be going through. Cause look, we, let's face it. Nobody is, is uh, impervious to, to the bullshit that this universe throws at us. Like we all, have our own version of, of whatever that is. And it's what we do with it and how we come on the other, how do we, how do we, you know, um, rise up on the other side of it. And, and I feel like I have a perspective now that I'm maybe able to give people some sort of 
hope that they're not alone, you know, and, and that maybe going through, uh, either what my daughter went through or, or, or have some, or know someone that's going through that, or, or if they just lost a loved one, you know, like I lost my mom a week before I lost my daughter. I mean, it's, it's, um, we, we all go through those, those defining moments in life at one point or another. And, um, I definitely feel like that that is going to be the fuel for this record in, in a big way. Um, and, and I do think I'm ready to, to talk about it and write about it. And, and, uh, Scott Stevens, our producer, we've, we've been discussing, you know, the, the sound of this next record. And, and, you know, I think this version of separate ways is certainly, um, the catalyst for that. And, and, um, and we're very excited to get back out. And, you know, with that being said, we, we also have a UK tour coming up in March and, and some Canadian dates coming, uh, for dearly beloved. So that will be the last, you know, kind of the final goodbye for that record and send off and and going into the next one. So, yeah, uh, we are about to work on something, uh, something new and, and we're very excited about it. And, um, I think, you know, if the, the response that we got on the last record was so overwhelmingly positive, we're, we're going to go even harder on this one, you know, and, and we're, we're very pumped. I went back and listened to the last time you and I talked in preparation for sitting down with you today. And that interview came out in June of 2021. And mm-hmm. you and I spent a shocking amount of time talking about obviously the lockdown and spending so much quality time with family and what family mm-hmm. meant. And we also spent a lot of time talking about Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And looking back at that conversation and how different the world is now. And I'll just tell you that when you talk about immense grief, especially mm. mom related, uh, 2022 was not a fantastic year for me either. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Lost my dad um, with a lot of unresolved, you know, oh, kind of didn't get a chance to make amends kind of things, which was hard. And yeah. my mom, who's still with us, but um, Alzheimer's really got its grips into her last year. And so even though she's still here, she's not. I had, I had that in my family as well. It's my grandmother and, and it, it kind of, it kind of started feeling like that was possibly creeping in on my own mom. So, and, you know, and I, obviously I 2022 that. was not kind for your family as well. Basically alluding right. to what you are. And first of all, let me offer my condolences because, oh, thank you. You know, it's one of those things where you don't know if I should bring it up because I know that you're trying to heal, but at the same time, you were so public about talking about it. Mm-hmm. I know for me, after going through everything that I went through last year, what my family, my friends, and what the rock community as a whole offered to me because I was public talking about things Mm -hmm. with my mom and my dad. Can you talk to me about what the fans did for you because you were so public talking about everything that you were going through? Oh man, the support was, um, overwhelming. It was, and I think, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to kind of deal with it in isolation, but I also knew that that wasn't going to be very healthy for me. So, 
you know, I did take that step back from, you know, the social medias and the interviews and everything because I, there was a moment where I just felt like no matter what, who I was talking to, or if I was performing that I was going to have to put on a face and that, that just didn't feel genuine. And so by allowing myself to go through the roller coaster of emotions with my family, um, and, and I was never alone. It was all, we were always, you know, holding tight to each other and, and we all went through it and we all embraced it. And, and, you know, as you know, some days are still easier than others. Yep. And also I understand that unresolved thing more than, you know, and, and there's, 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 there's days where I feel just immense amounts of guilt when I remember moments and remember things and I go, God damn, like, what if I would have said this? What if I would have done this? And it would have changed probably nothing, but I can't do anything about that. And that's the thing that hurts. You know, I can't go back and resolve this moment or I can't, you know, um, and, and I think that, that having, having that, that support system at home, was was just uh, paramount for the healing and 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 not hiding it from our kids, you know, and like, hey, dad is very sad right now. And, you know, we lost your sister and, you know, or your grandmother and and I'm, I'm struggling right now and allowing them to kind of see that and, and not really, oh, everything's fine, you know. I wanted my kids to to really get a, a a a real look at how we process pain and how we in in a healthy in a healthy way, you know. It's Did necessary. To, it's part of life that you you're not going to avoid it. No. And and so and then once we got back on out on the road, just the overwhelming love and support from the fans. And, and you know what? I got to say, my fans were so emotionally mature about it. They didn't, they didn't just, you know, hold up signs and, and shout out stuff from the crowd because that would have just been like, okay, I can't like, I'm, we all know it was a very unspoken thing. We all know what I'm going through right now. I feel you, you feel me. We don't have to, to, you know, make a thing out of it. And then her birthday came and I was on the road and, um, and we were performing in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And that day hit me harder than a box of bricks. And it was just like, holy shit, tonight is going to be a tough one. And I knew it going in and I just, um, you know, I, I told the crowd in the, in the middle of the show, like, just so y'all know, I I need you right now. I'm struggling and I'm going to do this song for Hannah. This today would have been her 25th birthday. And I, I've never really broke down on stage. I've never really shown that. And I could not, I, it's like, it just, I crumbled in the middle just performing and stopped in the middle of it and walked off stage. My tour manager grabbed me, my band, and it was such a, a an over what it, but it was, it was a healing moment. It wasn't, 
it wasn't anything where I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, and it, I felt just, I felt held by the crowd. I felt um, supported and, and it was, uh, it was a very cathartic moment that I'll never forget. And, uh, and I think the takeaway is just allowing yourself to go through it, just allowing it. Like if, if now is hard, it's okay. If I don't want to talk to people, that's okay too. And the fact that I'm not okay, that's okay. And, and, and just not hiding that because I think for me, if I would have just tried to press it all down and put on a strong face, then I would have never had that element of healing take place. And so that's been my, I think the, that one of the things that it taught me is just vulnerability and, and allowing myself to feel every emotion as they come. Going through this set of holidays, especially with my mom still on the planet, but obviously not able to participate in holiday family traditions the way that she normally would have. Mm -hmm. And for me, the idea of like the reconciliation I always thought was going to come with my dad that never did, that like Mm. this set of holidays, I was like, oh my God, this is weird. And I had thought long and hard about talking about it and being public about it, like you're saying, because you also don't want people to think that trying to get sympathy or you're trying like it's just it's just how you are that day and Mm -hmm. I was shocked obviously not on stage singing like you but talking about it on my shows and the feedback that I get from people that have gone through it you know you you talk about second guessing decisions and to have people say like I took care of a loved one that slowly Mm -hmm. slipped away with Alzheimer's as well and like you know, you're going to question whether you made the right decisions or not, and you're not making wrong decisions. There aren't any right ones, but you're not making yeah. wrong ones. To have that support from people that would otherwise be complete strangers was yeah. amazing and crazy weird at the same time, but wonderful. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've just learned in life and in, in my 40s that whatever you're going through, the moment you speak that out and, and you hear yourself say it to someone or and if and I hope that everyone out there has someone in their life that they can just say anything to because that's a, that's an invaluable gift when you have someone that that you can just say all the bullshit you're going through without any judgment there's something that happens in our brain there's this neurochemistry that changes instantaneously all of a sudden you're not alone. All of a sudden it's, it's not something that you're, you're hiding or masking and you instantly feel like you can breathe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And that you're not like, you're not stifled by the, the pressure that you're, that you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to you're hold yourself together in your own skin, you know? And um, it happens so often through, lyrics through songs that they that even if the song wasn't written about what you think it was written about that it that somehow if you find a song that connects to how you're feeling you make that song your own and then you're not alone anymore even if it's through music which is crazy absolutely 
me and me and my wife were just talking about this the other night, how sometimes I don't want to know the meaning of the song because something that you think is so deep and so meaningful to you all of a sudden is completely diminished. And you're like, it's about what? (laughs) (laughs) This song sucks. You just, you ruined (laughs) it for me. Yeah. So I think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. Some, you know, I think the beauty of a lyric can, can speak to you in a way that it only speaks to you until you know exactly what it's about. And then it's like, Oh, uh, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. And then there's times where it's very clear what the song is about and that's okay too. But um, that's the beauty of music. I think, I think it's such a healing and I don't know what I would have, I don't know if I would have, you know, gotten through it without that outlet and that, you know, um, you know, when I finally felt that I was able to tour again and, and be out there, then, then it was for them. Then it was like, oh, you know, like I was, I would talk to my mom and, and Hannah every night before going on stage and still do. And it's, uh, I know they're there and, and they were, those two were like my biggest fans, like, separately like both of them were were so into what I did and and it and it, and I feel that you know even after their passing that they're, that they're there and that that you know that it's kind of like a like a, I carry them out on stage with me every night it's another reason why I'm so envious of the craft that you have that to be able to write songs and play music because you have that cathartic emotional outlet for you whereas for me i i've tried to write songs chris it just doesn't work (laughs) well guess what sometimes it doesn't work for me either (laughs) (laughs) uh before i let you go something happened the other day with some guys that i know you're close friends with and i wanted to get your take on it uh mark tremonti challenged john connelly for his organization uh, yeah. to run the Boston Marathon. Yes. Being here and having run it myself, um, I I didn't know if you had any words of caution, warning, or just are you freaking nuts to give to John Connolly as he embarks on this training of the world's most arduous and famous marathon? <laughs> Well, John is a very physical dude anyway. Yeah, um, he's a machine. And he's, he's, uh, I, I think he's going to kill it. I, um, and I already know he's, you know, he's, he's already into fitness anyway, but he's probably, he's probably, uh, he's probably really turning it on now and, and dialing it in. I don't, when, it, when is that, by the way? Yeah, it's in April. Oh, so he's, he's got, a, he's, he doesn't have long. Yeah, it's, they just made the announcement and, See, obviously, I I put the call in, and I'm like, I need to talk to him because I ran it in 2019. And how many miles is it? Twenty six point two. But the course is a bitch. Yeah. It's not just flat. You know, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not on a treadmill, climate controlled with no hills. Like, it's it's a disaster. And New England in April, you know, like you just don't know what you're gonna get. It could be 80. No. It could be 20 below. Like you just don't know. Yeah. 
And I, it took me especially six- now. It's like we, we don't know what we're going to get any given. It was it was zero degrees here in Nashville just two weeks ago. It's been colder in Nashville than Boston. Yeah, we know. We so were in weird. we were in Utah on a ski trip, <laughs> and everything is just covered in snow. And it was still nothing like when we got back home. And that we're like, what the fuck is going on here? And people zero up here degrees? are watching the news. And, like, people in Nashville and Georgia and whatever that, like, they don't know what to do. And they're looking for all these hacks, like, how do I keep my pipes from freezing? And we're all sitting up here and we're like, aren't we the ones you guys are always making fun of for living in the cold on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. It's sunny here in Nashville, but it's cold. And I just talked to Penfield and it's obviously pouring in L.A. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. I I don't know. (laughs) But if you but, want to but make as a far war- as John, I, I, good luck to him. I mean, he didn't even hesitate. It's like there was other things you could have done. You chose that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran it in six hours, 24 minutes and 50 seconds, like wanted to die the whole time. Did you throw up? No, I didn't throw up. I was okay. more worried I was going to shit my pants, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> because that's happened here famously. Like, well, yeah. and you're on TV, like in front of millions of people and you pooped your pants at mile 19. What are you going to do? Stop? Like, you just got to keep going. Yeah. And, I fell in the mud. I yeah. fell in the mud. And I had a fundraiser and a live broadcast waiting for me at the finish. So it was like, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't quit. I, it, I was yeah. expecting to like crawl across the finish line. I have all those photos you get at the finish line and I'm like bawling my eyes out in the Kim Kardashian ugly cry. <laughs> Because I couldn't believe growing up here that I actually finished the thing. Yeah. And what's going to piss me off is that Mr. Connolly is probably going to be able to run it twice in the time it took me to run it once. <laughs> oh, man. Well, best of luck to him. And that's, yeah. that's, an, that's an impressive uh, task he's got ahead of him. Yeah, for sure. Well, I look forward to uh, whatever is coming by the end of this year from you guys, you, you said that you've got, you know, your tour dates in Canada and in Europe and stuff. Uh, what about us dates? Cause that's what everybody's going to say. Why didn't you ask him when he's coming back to here or wherever? I I feel like we exhausted. Uh, we, we, I feel like people got tired of us last year. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you were so excited to be out of the house. I think, I think we, we, there probably will be some, we don't have any, um, that I can announce yet just because they haven't been a hundred percent confirmed, but there will be some U S stuff, but um, we, we really want to get this, this new record done. And, and so when we do really come back out in the, in the U S that we're going to, we're going to have something, you know, more exciting to, to offer. Well, you kicked it off with a bang with this amazing journey cover with Lizzie. Thank it's you. awesome. Thank you so much. And it's so good to talk to you. Thank it's you so, nice so much to for see the love you. and support. Always good to see you. Cheers uh, on a fantastic Cheers. 2023. Um, yes. I know there's good things coming for both of us this year. So I look forward to uh, hearing what's next with you guys. And I'm hoping that you and Lizzie are going to be able to play the song live a few times maybe this year. Well, that would be awesome, yes. wouldn't it? That would be great. Yeah. What? I mean, why not? We should. We should. We should book a tour. Um, no water and, on and stage. My, and and my condolences uh, to you about your father. Oh, I, thank I, you. Yeah. It's it's I know, been I know. it's been weird. You know, it's the world feels. It was it was the loss of what could have been. I think that was the hardest thing. Mm. 
you know, mm-hmm. just, yeah, you have these ideas in your head about what could have been and you kind of have to mourn that and, and the acceptance of what was. Yeah. You know, that acceptance yeah. part of the stages of grief is a bitch. That, that is a bitch. Yeah. And I'm still going through it. Yep. Me too. So, well, well much love you to too. you and, uh, hope to see you in person next time. I look forward to it. All right. All right. We'll talk we'll soon. See Say Be what's well. up to Brockton B. <laughs> we'll see you. Wicked pissa. <laughs> That's right. Later. Bye. Bye, honey. There he is, the one and only Chris Daughtry. So happy to have him back on the show. You can check out the show notes for this episode and find his first appearance on episode 52. You'll also find the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that's filled with my guest music and all of the other music that we referenced in the interview. And it starts off with that fantastic journey cover that he does with Lizzie. You'll also find all the links to find Chris Daughtry online and to find the band. And you'll find all of my links as well. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. In five minutes, you get all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info. Plus, you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can find the Mistress Carrie podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and get more details on that and everything else at mistresscarry.com. That includes shopping in the online Mistress Carrie store and details on my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.